Welcome to the One Church Podcast. We're glad you could join us today for another epic message of grace. If you enjoyed today's word, please rate and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. It helps others like you find our podcast. You can also find us on Instagram by following us at OneChurchVB or join the discussion on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash OneChurchVB. For more information about One Church, go to OneChurchVB.com. Now, for today's epic message of grace. You are now about to experience a Wally Odom original. Please enjoy. Hello, One Church. It's good to be back with you again. I can't wait until we can actually be together uh, in one room and can see each other and talk face to face. But hey, this is a pretty good thing that that there's technology available for us to, to meet like this. And so I miss you all. Good to see you. Uh, look, some of you I keep track of on, on Zoom, but uh, thank you so much for tuning in, everybody that's, that's watching this tonight. And I, I pray that God will bless you and that somehow what I share with you will be meaningful to you. I'll be honest, I'm going to talk about Paul. Uh, David began last week with uh, Peter because we're going through through the book of Acts, and the thing about Acts is that uh, that. It has two main players, a lot of participants, but two main players. One's Peter, and last week, Pastor David talked about Peter's restoration to ministry and his recommissioning. And uh, the first 12 chapters of Acts almost are exclusively about his influence. And then in chapter 9, I'm going to talk about Paul's conversion. And uh, from chapter 13 on, when the missionary journeys took place, the three of them, you find Paul planting churches all over all over the, the world in Asia and in Europe, and you actually find him at the end of it in Rome. And so we're talking about the two guys that had such an influence on the church. Uh, I have to be honest before I introduce Paul in, in his conversion. I've got to tell you that Paul was a significant figure in my own life. And, uh, and before we're through, I want to talk about why that was so important to me, why the life of Paul was such an incredible uh, part of my life and, and my Christian life and my experience. But let me read to you from Acts chapter 9. This story is one of the, it, it's actually come into our secular use. People, people talk about people having a Damascus Road experience, and that means they have a sudden turnaround. And on the road to Damascus, Paul had one of those events. And uh, this is what it says. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And so he went to kill people, and he wants to bring them back in chains And as he was suddenly approaching Damascus, a light from heaven shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. And I'm telling you, if there's ever in the Bible an uh uh-oh moment, this is it. He's on his way to, to kill followers of Jesus, to bring them back in chains, and when he gets knocked down by a blinding light, who are you? 
And the Lord says, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. This is one of the most interesting stories in the whole Bible because you've got a guy who's an ardent opponent of Jesus and, uh, and he falls down blinded by light. He falls down and when he falls down blinded by the light, uh, he falls down a persecutor and he gets up an apostle. It's amazing. Uh, I don't know if you can find a more dramatic change than this, but uh, it was dramatic and it not only changed the world then, it's still changing the world now. And I'm going to talk a little bit about how Paul's life and how his message changed me. But it's interesting that Paul's on his way to, to persecute and when he falls down, he gets up totally different, transformed. There, there are two kinds of experiences we have as Christians. One is an event. In fact, more, maybe more than one event. An event is something that just happens momentarily. Paul didn't get converted over time. He didn't get converted over a period of time and over, over a, a, a change that took place over months and years. He got changed in a moment. It was absolutely essential that something happened to Paul that interrupted his old lifestyle and, and introduced him to a brand new life. And so we too, uh, somehow we get changed instantly. That's salvation. That's conversion. It's not a process, but it's, it's a moment. And it, it might take a lot of time for you to get there, but it's that moment when you open your heart and receive Jesus as your Savior and allow Him to change your life momentarily. You go from immediately an old nature to a new nature. Something takes place dramatically. That, though, begins a process. What happened with, with the resurrection of Jesus, that was an event. But a process began that's continued through the church. That's why we're looking at the book of Acts. The, the mission continues. And so, and so you have this moment when, when everything changes and then there's a process that follows it. It's the process of Paul's life that really impacted that day, and it's the process of his life that imp impacted me. He had two things happen to him all at the same time. Number one, he got a revelation of Jesus Christ. He didn't know who Jesus was. He was persecuting Jesus. Jesus was an enemy to the religion that he had cultured, that had been his culture all of his life. He had been under Gamaliel, for eight years, scholars say, for eight years he had studied the Old Testament. He was a walking encyclopedia of the Old Testament. He knew it in and out. He knew it backwards and forwards. He knew everything that you could possibly learn in eight years about, about the Old Testament. And so he knows the Old Testament, but he doesn't know Jesus. And, and he has a revelation of Jesus. It's a revelation that changed his life two other times in the book of Acts. He talks about it. He tells his story. It's something he never forgot. He never was ashamed of, and he was always honest about. I was on my way to do damage to the church. Jesus showed up, and he changed my life. And so Paul had an event, and it led to a process. The process then begins. And what's interesting to me about the process is he sent to church. That's an amazing thing to realize that, that Jesus had met him on the road, uh, I would think if there's anybody who doesn't need Jesus to follow you up, it would be Paul because he met Jesus himself. But the truth is, on the road to Damascus, after he met Jesus, he's blinded, and Jesus sends him to church. 
the rest of Paul's life would be meant, would be spent involved with the local church. He would be planting churches. That's what he did throughout the book of Acts. And then even more meaningful for me and for us, he wrote letters to those churches that he planted. And that's where his impact on my life really began to change who I am and who I was. In the Gospels, you learn all about Jesus and you learn to love him and you see what he was like and you see the incredible impact he had on individuals and on everyone who got to know him and on those who followed him. The Gospels are about Jesus. I think everybody should read the Gospels repeatedly because that's how you get to know him. But not only in the Gospels do we learn about Jesus, but we learn about the Old Testament primarily from Paul because Paul had this incredible knowledge of the Old Testament. And when he met Jesus, he saw everything in the Old Testament back through the eyes of his revelation of Jesus. And most of what I know about the Old Testament and understand about the Old Testament, I read through the eyes of Paul because Paul read the Old Testament from that moment on through the eyes of Jesus. And he understood that the Old Testament wasn't some other thing that he was moving away from he never lost his interest in the Old Testament, but he saw it fulfilled in Christ. And that's the interest of the Old Testament to me. It's not, Paul didn't start another religion. He didn't say, okay, the Old Testament's over and done with. Let's be Christians now. He actually saw what the Old Testament was about, that the Old Testament was there to introduce, introduce Jesus to us. And Jesus was the fulfillment and is the fulfillment of everything the Old Testament talked about. So let me, let me bring you to the thing that I really want to say to you about Paul. Paul in Acts was a church planter. Paul in Acts was a, was a theologian of the first order. Most of my theology, most of the doctrine I hold now comes from Paul because Paul was the one who told the church how to think. Paul was the one who said, this is what a Christian looks like. This is what a Christian can be. This is how a Christian can live his life. And so Paul was incredibly helpful for the church, the young church, in forming the way it thought. And so you have Jesus and you've got the Old Testament. And it's almost Paul took a, as if Paul took a big bowl of the Old Testament scripture and he poured it through the life of Jesus and it came out what it was really intended to be. And so uh, I've been so influenced by Paul and by the way that he thought and by the things that he taught and and, and I, I was sitting out one morning, it was early before the sun came up, sitting out on my back deck. And I had a thought that I'd never thought before, but I'd been reading a lot about Paul. And this thought came to me. If I had had just the Old Testament, because all Paul had for a Bible was the Old Testament. If I had just the Old Testament and a revelation of Jesus Christ, could I come up with the same kind of doctrines and thought that Paul came up with? And the answer, of course, is no. But Paul, with just an Old Testament and just an encounter with Jesus Christ, began to frame for us what Christianity can look like when it's lived out in the individual person's life and in the church that Jesus established. And so, and so Paul took the Old Testament, put it together, said Jesus is the fulfillment of all of that. And in his letters, he wrote... He wrote out of a knowledge of the Old Testament and he wrote out of an understanding of who Jesus is and he never lost the preeminence of Christ. If you don't believe Paul believed in the preeminence of Christ, just read Colossians. 
It's a tribute to who Jesus is. And Paul was forever indebted to and forever served and worshiped the Lord Jesus Christ. But he had an incredible knowledge of the Old Testament to go with that. And so I was out there thinking, I went in from that thought, could I have come up with this? And I, I went in and just on the spur of the moment, I looked up every Old Testament reference in the book of Romans because Romans was a, a book that changed my life. I looked up every Old Testament. There, In 16 chapters of Romans, there are 50 plus references to the Old Testament. Paul didn't even have to look them up. He knew the Old Testament so well, it just flowed out of him when he wrote a letter. And there are over 50 references to the Old Testament just in a, in a letter he wrote. How many could sit down and write a letter and just recall 50 references to anything? But that's what Paul did. He knew the, he knew the Old Testament so well. So um, my encounter with the, Old Test, with the Old Testament through Paul's eyes began in Romans. I was 20 years old. I was in Bible college. I walked into a class on Romans. And I sat there, and the teacher, who was also my Greek teacher, uh, Hobart Grazier, unraveled my life in front of me began to explain Romans. And ever since then, Romans has not only been one of my favorite books, it's a foundational book in my life. Galatians is foundational. Galatians taught me to be free from legalism, and that set me free. Romans taught me how to be a Christian. There were two things that Romans taught me that I learned and, and I've been developing, and they're, they're growing ever precious to me now. But the two things that I learned, and I was trying to find a couple of verses I could read that summed up Paul's teaching. And so let me just, let me read two verses from, from Paul's book of Romans in chapter five, verses one and two. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation because I grew up with the King James. I love the NIV, it's my favorite. But the, the New Living captures something I thought was so unique and it was like, wow, I read it for the first time virtually. And so here it is, Romans five, one and two. Therefore, since we have been made, made right in God's sight by faith, that is important. That's the word that in Greek is translated elsewhere mostly as justification or righteousness. We are made righteous in God's sight by faith. And that's important. It's not by works. It's not what we do. It's not our performance. God doesn't rate us and go, Wally, you've been a good boy, so I'm going to label you righteous. Wasn't that good? Nobody was. But he says, because we are made right in God's sight by faith, by faith, we have peace with God. And hear this, this is important. This is key. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Our faith isn't based on our performance. Our righteousness isn't based on how good we are. Our righteousness, all of us who are righteous, and that's everybody who believes in Jesus, who are righteous because of what Jesus has done for us. And so it's important for us to know that and remember that. That's a foundation to me. My salvation is based in what Jesus has done. He died on the cross for me. He bore my punishment for me. He bore my sins for me. He is my Savior because He saved me when nothing else could save me. Couldn't save myself. No one else could save me. Jesus saved me. And so justification by faith. I learned that in Romans. I learned that the righteous will live by faith. And uh, it changed my life. It still changes my life. I never want to get away from it. That's the foundation of everything I am as a Christian. It's the foundation of your Christian life. And where does it come from? It comes from a man who fell on his face on the road to Damascus, had an encounter with Jesus Christ, 
realized he wasn't getting there on his own, realized that he wasn't what God wanted him to be on his own and by his own effort, and he surrendered to Christ, and all of a sudden, Christ not only came alive, but the Old Testament came alive, and every sacrifice, every, every offering in the Old Testament came alive, and he became a devoted follower of Christ, and he taught me, and he teaches all of us, we're justified by faith. We're made right in God's sight because of what Jesus has done, and we believe it. The one question everybody better get right, that's the most fundamental question you'll ever get, you'll ever ask yourself, how can I be right in God's sight? Here's the answer. You're right in God's sight by faith. Then the other thing that comes along, and if you know me long and listen to me long, I'll talk about grace sometime or other. And so listen to what the second verse of, of chapter five of Romans says. Because of our faith, Jesus Christ has brought us into this place of, and here's the word grace, but the interesting translation of it in the New Living Translation is something that's really important to me. So let me read that to you. Because of, brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. What a translation of the word grace. Undeserved privilege, where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Let me say this, that I stand in grace. I don't find grace as a sinner and then move away from grace. I don't drift beyond it. I don't become more than that. I stand in grace. I stand in this undeserved privilege that God's given me. I have access to God. I have a relationship with God. I have eternal life with God. I have peace with God. He's not at war with me and I'm not at war with him any longer because God has come and has rescued me by his grace, by his undeserved privilege that he gave me of being part of his family. So I learned two things from Paul that have changed my life. One is I'm righteous. I'm right in God's sight because of what Jesus has done. And I believe that. That's what God asked of me. The other thing that I learned is I have an undeserved privilege of being part of God's family and part of God's life and having eternal life. I'm going to live with him forever. My mom and my dad and my friends, so many of them are already there. We'll be there together someday because of that. And those two things come from a guy who fell down on the road to Damascus. So yeah, did, did uh, he have an impact on his generation? Yeah, he planted churches everywhere. He planted the first church in, in Europe. He's the one that took the gospel to Rome. He has, has, by his church planting and by his letters, has impacted that church, that church of that day, but he's also impacted our churches and our lives. Martin Luther, the whole Reformation began because Martin Luther read something he wrote in Romans that got righteousness is revealed by faith. And so the whole idea of God's grace and God's justification comes from a man who put it all together, took the Old Testament, and he added to it a revelation of Jesus Christ, and he came up with the theology that I live and die, and I'm going to die by. But let me, let me read you about, because I've got something that I couldn't have said any better, and if you can't say any better, say it the way you read it. Uh, Rod, J. Rodman Williams was a, a, the late pro professor at Regent University, and he was, he was an incredible theologian, uh, his, his theology in three volumes, Renewal Theology, was a lifesaver for me because I was reading non-spirit-filled non theologians, good theologians, but I wanted something. I pastored a, 
I pastored a, a charismatic church. I wanted something charismatic that I could lean on, and Rodman Williams provided that. So let me read what, William, what Robin we, Rodman Williams had to say. He said this, In him we are righteous, not we who are godly, not we who have climbed the mountain heights of righteous living, but we who are struggling on the plains and sometimes in the muck and mire of unrighteous living. There is nothing, absolutely nothing in us, whether we be the most moral or immoral of people that makes this possible. God pronounces us righteous, though we are not. This is the glory and wonder of the gospel message. Thank God for that. The glory and the wonder of it is that God takes unrighteous people and he calls them righteous. Why? Because we believe in what Jesus did for us and because we now stand in the grace of God. No more important question than that in our, in our lives for us to answer. Billy Graham wrote about the last days of, of Dwight D. Eisenhower. Eisenhower, the former president, was in the hospital dying of a heart condition. And uh, he knew his end, was, his end was close. He'd had some heart attacks. And he also had a relationship with Billy Graham. And Billy Graham said this after, after Eisenhower died. He said, I got a call from Eisenhower. He wanted me to come to Walter Reed Hospital. And he said, I got there and they told me I could have 30 minutes with Eisenhower. So he said, I went in and we chatted and read some scripture for about 30 minutes. And he said, when the 30 minutes were up and I had to leave, Eisenhower said to me, uh, could, you could you stay just a little bit longer? So he, he said, I turned around and sat back down. And Eisenhower said to me, Billy, tell me one more time how I can be sure that my sins were forgiven and I'm going to heaven. And Eisenhower said, I sat there and explained to him, Mr. Eisenhower, you're not gonna go to heaven because you went to church. You're not gonna go to heaven because of what you gave to the church. You're going to heaven because Jesus Christ died for you and the penalty of your sins was on him. Everything that was necessary for your salvation was provided through him and you're going to go to heaven because you believe in him. And what he did was enough for you. It's enough for everyone who believes in him. And, and Billy Graham said, he looked at me and said, you can go now, I've, I'm okay, I'm ready. All of us can be ready for that moment when Jesus asks of us, why should I let you into heaven to be with me? And we can say, because you died for me, because of what you did for me, because I stand in your grace and I've stood in it ever since the day I first met you. All of that came from the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. And Acts not only is a book for us to look back at as history, it's a book for us now to say, hey, this God that moved on Paul is still moving on people, changing people, transforming us. We believe Him and we trust Him. I don't know how, how many people might be watching this and you're not sure of your own salvation. You know, you, you love Jesus, you've heard about Him, but you don't know that what He's done for you is enough. And I'm gonna pray for you. And I wanna pray for all of us a prayer of thanksgiving that what Jesus did is enough. So Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for one church. Thank you for the message that we hold dear, that we'll never give up on, that the God who, who brought salvation to Paul and changed the world through him, that that God is bringing salvation to us, has brought salvation to us. And what he believed in, in a moment's time, 
that changed the course of his life. We can believe in, and we do believe in, that you died for us, you saved us. And God, I thank you for that. And I pray for anyone here that doesn't know that for certain, that you'll give them the assurance in their heart that if they trust you, Jesus, you did enough and they can be ready for any time that they meet you. And we thank you for all of that in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for another epic message of grace. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen so others can find us too. We'll be back next week with another incredible message. Until then, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at OneChurchVB or find out more information about One Church at OneChurchVB.com. Have a great week.